Ah, it's time to relax, and you know what that means. Glass of wine, your favorite easy chair, and of course, this podcast playing on your home stereo. So go on and indulge yourself. That's right. Kick off your shoes, put your feet up, lean back, and just enjoy the podcast. After all, music soothes even the savage beast. It's July 30th, 1994, and Come Out and Play by The Offspring is number one on the Billboard Modern Rock chart. Hello, and welcome to Tell Me All Your Thoughts on Pod. I'm Quillen. I'm Trav. I'm Al. And this is a podcast where we talk about every song that reached number one on the Billboard Modern Rock chart in the 90s, beginning with Kurt Cobain's death in April 1994. Today we'll be talking about Come Out and Play, the lead single from The Offspring's third album, Smash. Come Out and Play spent two weeks at the top of the charts. Here's a clip. Separated. Hey! Me. You gotta keep them separated. We're talking about Offspring today. And just to clarify, this is the Keep Them Separated song, uh, which is probably what most of us think of it as rather than come out and play. One of a long string of 90s rock songs um, on the radio that were named things that people could not possibly find or ask about on the back of a CD. You just have to call the radio station and say, can you play the Thoughts on God song? And then they'd have to say, <laughs> Counting Blue Cars. Yeah. Uh, well, what stands out to you about the song? Um, it's the, the drum intro, right? That's a very mm. cool thing that happens where he's like uh, playing off of the, maybe the hi-hat stand. Is that cool? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's great. <laughs> you think? Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I really like it. I thought it was like a highlight of the song. It's all downhill oh. after the intro. It's never a cool move to play uh, on your hi-hat stand uh, or, <laughs> or a cymbal stand or, oh. you know. Yeah, that, that's not cool. That's not a cool oh, move. I do okay. kind of like it. Yeah, I okay. mean, it's, uh, the best things about it are the quirkiest things. It's not like a great song. I mean, like the song is defined by like the drum intro, keep them separated, and like the, the um, Eastern guitar riff. And that's it. So you think of it as an Eastern guitar riff. I just think of it as a surf guitar riff. Yeah. So it's kind of like, I don't know. I did a lot of reading about it and it was uh-huh. sort of like, it fell both ways. Like sometimes it was like, like, um, an, an Eastern, uh, guitar riff. And sometimes it was like, uh, a Dick Dale kind of like miserloo thing. Yeah. And, um, I thought, yeah. So I, I mean, that kind of jumps into like, one of the interesting things that that came up on on the Wikipedia page was that it was like uh, a band, a punk band called Agent Orange, claimed that um, the Offspring had ripped them off with this riff, saying that this was like 
um, something that they had used in one of their songs called uh, Bloodstains. Mm-hmm. And um, I listened to Bloodstains, and it doesn't really sound anything like Come Out and Play. It sounds like Miserloo by, by Dick Dale. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I did think now, it was really... Um, Miserloo or Miserloo, that's the one that's just the right? Yeah, yeah, a Pulp Fiction, Pulp right? Fiction thing. Okay, yeah. so it does have that, uh, excuse us, we're going to talk theory for a second, but it does have that half-step, <laughs> three, four uh, arrangement where it, that, that is something that at least the Beatles would pretend is, is Indian, an Indian scale or something like that. Sure, yeah, yeah. I think that sounds so There's that a sounds connection there. Okay, so Agent Origins, Agent Orange has the the that that surf guitar bit. Yes, um, and they sort of insisted that that the offspring were were ripping them off. They didn't necessarily want to take them to court or anything, but they're you know just kind of looking for acknowledgement. And um, it was really f- I I thought it was really funny that Dexter Holland was like, you know. Uh, Agent Orange was like a huge influence on us, especially the song Bloodstains. Uh, and um, like it, in interviews and things like that, that, that came up all the time. And then when it became like this issue where it was like a little bit contentious, they're like, uh, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. We have nothing to do with that song. So um, I thought that was kind of a funny uh, uh, twist when it came to, uh, came to that. So it does have the keep them separated part. It's got the playing on the hi-hat stand, and it's got the surf guitar. Is this a novelty song? <laughs> no. <laughs> you don't think so? I don't, I don't think so. I think it's distinctively like 90s. I think there's a quirkiness to it that like... Um, happened i mean i I think there's a a vibe to it that was very common back then with other Mm -hmm. songs i mean do you think that pretty fly for a white guy is a novelty song yes certainly yeah yeah this feels like a dry run to me it's not quite to the level of outrageousness or i don't know parody as pretty fly for a white guy but it does have a it it's got some weirdly it seems like comical elements. I don't know. It's definitely a better song than Pretty Fly for a White Guy. Yeah. I thought it was interesting also that Dexter uh, compared it to Lowrider. Okay. Oh. I get that. Yeah, that makes a, a little bit of sense. Yeah, just a little bit. Mm. So mm. did you all look into Dexter Holland's biographical information at all? Uh. No, I mean, what I read about him, uh, I, I read something uh, about him that I was surprised by. That I didn't realize, um, uh, probably not super interesting, but um, I read that he is a founder of a punk label that I don't know if it exists anymore or not, um, called Nitro Records, um, which I recall existing... Um, in the 2000s, like the early aughts, um, when I was in high school, I was aware of this label and they had, uh, the Vandals and TSOL and, um, AFI before AFI blew up, I believe, uh, a a fire inside, I think is what AFI stands for. Um, and later on, uh, 
they signed a little band I like to call Stave Saker, <laughs> formerly on Tooth and Nail Records, uh, a pretty sweet Christian, uh, edgy rock band that uh, I was into in middle school and high school. Um, but L, you probably stay Stave Saker. Stave Saker. S T Stave Saker. S T A V E S A C R E. I believe it was. Is that a word from scripture? Uh, something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like, I don't know. Um, I believe it had scriptural leanings. Yes. Um, okay. But, uh, yeah, that was, that was my tidbit that I, uh, didn't know. Um, what about you, Al? Well, the first thing that caught my eye was seeing that Dexter Holland had written this song in graduate school. So already I'm sort of, that's contrasting with the notion of Dexter Holland that I have in my mind and that I see in music videos. Uh, his schooling was interrupted by his musical success, but Dexter Holland has a PhD in molecular biology. Hmm. Of course. He also is a licensed pilot. Oh, wow. <laughs> so he's a pretty accomplished dude. Yeah. I had thought that his biggest, uh, his biggest accomplishment was making a cameo in the movie Idle Hands. <laughs> but he's got a lot going on. I didn't on. know he was in Idle Hands. Yeah, uh, Offspring does a whole set in no Idle Hands. No kidding. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's like prom. Offspring is playing right. prom or something like that. Well, it's probably the Halloween dance. I think he gets beheaded. Oh, yeah, cool. Or some, some horrific thing happens uh, to Devin him. Sawa, right? Uh, is the Seth Green's the the main part of that movie? Oh. That I remember. Cool. Was that uh Ixnay on the Ambre era, or Americano? Uh, I I don't remember. Yeah. Uh, definitely. I I want to say late late nineties. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you know when Seth Green was getting some success. Um, the first thing I remember seeing him in was Austin Powers, and that mm. must have been. 97 or something like that maybe mm-hmm. so it was probably americana era is that the the next thing after this i think or is there an, an album in i between? think americana is next i think that was 96 i think okay i think it's uh i think it's smash ixnay on the ombre and then americana that makes sense ixnay on the ombre wait, was americana, like this bridge wait. to it where it wasn't very good but it was like just this kind of like almost butt rock uh hmm. what was Pretty Fly for a White Guy? Americana. That, are you sure? Um, as yeah. sure as I can be as a casual person, not even a fan of Offspring, somebody who knows the band Offspring. Yeah, that and uh, Get a Job, the sort of the Obladi, <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, yeah. pastiche. Yeah. Those are both on Americana. Along with a pretty decent single, The Kids Aren't All Right, which I remember liking a fair amount. Yeah, it sounds like the, uh, the Buffy the Vampire uh, Slayer theme song. Uh, I, I don't think I've ever heard Damn, it. Damn, you guys are so right. <laughs> <laughs> I thought... Uh, I thought uh, Americana was the follow-up, and that, yeah, I just had the two mixed up. I'm a dumbo. Uh, I learned that The Offspring uh, formed in 1984. 10 years before Smash. Jeez. And their original band name was called Manic Subsidal. <laughs> Subsidal. <laughs> Which, I, I don't even know what, what that possibly means. It sounds like something that like a teenage band would be like, that sounds cool. That's a cool word. Yeah. yeah. 
my band when we were 12 or 13, we had a song called Wandered Confusion. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that's the same kind of thing. You put a suffix on a word that doesn't belong there and it makes you sound sophisticated. So you go with it. Um, so according to Dexter Holland and most other people, this song is about street gangs in Southern California, which is kind of a weird mismatch between like the sort of goofy tone and the like super serious lyrics. It's about turf wars and young people getting sucked into gangs and killing each other. Seems like kind of an odd thing to put a surf guitar lick mm. over. Yeah, he said I I'd seen that he had said he was at uh going to grad school in East LA and claimed to be around for the 92 riots. Um mm-hmm. and I just I, yeah, something doesn't add up about this guy having a PhD and being the same guy who wrote Pretty Fly for a White Guy and just like it all just <laughs> yeah. doesn't seem quite quite right. Yeah. Dexter Holland. Um I looked on songmeanings.com and saw how woefully cliched the laundry joke I had made last week was. <laughs> really? It's been made by numer- numerous people on songmeanings.com, which means it's time for me to change my <laughs> Show yourself the door. I actually yeah. went through uh, as, much, as many YouTube comments as I could stomach and made a list of things that YouTubers YouTube com- commenters thought that it was funny to keep separated. And it included uh, the, okay. the most popular one for sure was people and social distancing, but also oh. uh, uh, divorce lawyers, uh, hot food and cold drinks, um, my crazy friend and my little bro, uh, Detroit Red Wings <laughs> fights in the 80s and 90s, church <laughs> and state, unibrows, my dog and cat. <laughs> The Illuminati, uh, hmm. when, when you're yeah. dating three chicks at once, and two kids in my <laughs> class, Dan and Matthew. Oh, yeah, Dan and Matthew. Got to <laughs> draw that seating chart very strategically. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Hmm. Uh, this band's often paired with Green Day as part of pop punk's mainstream breakthrough. They do seem like they've got a fair amount of DNA in common. Just the chunky uh, bar chords and sort of irreverent lyrics. Yeah, and... w- would you say that uh, is Green Day poppier, though? Gra- granted, they were both on, you know, mainstream modern rock radio, but, like, I feel like Green Day is more pop hooks, for sure. I think Green Day is better in every possible way. Um, I-, I mean, yes, in this for, album. for sure. No, I mean, I, for sort sure. of obviously, but, like, um, I mean, yeah. I mean, they're poppier, the songs are better, they're more well-constructed. Yeah, I, I, I mean, like, for me, and we can talk uh, more about the album Smash later, but um, for me, I just felt like, uh, I, I was surprised at how many songs on Smash sounded like actual punk songs. Um, mm-hmm. Like, tempo-wise, uh, they were more punk, um, not quite as melodic. Um, they felt more like, uh, you know, like, uh, they felt closer maybe to an eighties, like DC punk band than green day did, uh, which is, uh, you know, 
uh, not my thing as much. Um, but it, it was just, I was intrigued by that. That was, that kind of caught me off guard. I had never listened to Smash, um, uh, in my youth. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it was, it was surprising to me, uh, listening with pretty fresh ears. That's interesting. I feel like, uh, that gives them a little bit more credibility than, uh, I was willing to give them after listening to Smash. Yeah, you would think it uh, would, but I mean, I don't have much more positive than that to say about the album. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> you try, you want to do parodies now? <laughs> do I want to do parodies? Yeah, <laughs> I want to do parodies. So apparently Weird Al wrote a parody called Laundry Day that was performed on the Bad Hair Day tour, but it was never actually recorded. Um, so if you happened to catch Weird Al on that tour, you would have seen the song. So yet more evidence that this is just the most cliched joke you could Probably. possibly imagine. <laughs> if you weren't lucky enough to catch Weird Al, there are no fewer than five other parody versions that I found on Wikipedia. Um, one was called uh, Put the Cheese Away, in parentheses, Keep It Refrigerated, by the Radioactive uh-huh. Chicken Heads. Uh, one was called Come Out and Pray by Apologetics, with a capital X. Uh, one was called Wrong Foot Amputated by Bob Rivers, from the album Twisted Tunes, Volume 2. One was called Get Them Immigrated by Manic Hispanic. And uh, Keep Her Penetrated by Blowfly from 2006. Yeah. Should I remember the name of the band Blowfly? Um, Blowfly, I think... uh, I, I did a little bit of research. I think this is a person who just passed away. The The album that he put this out on was on Alternative Tentacles, which was Jello Biafra's um, label. And, mm-hmm. um, oh, gotcha. Seems like he was kind of a, a famous um, uh, soul musician and going back to like the 70s and just got really into making dirty versions of popular songs. I could be totally <laughs> wrong about that. I'm not a, a blowfly aficionado. Um, okay. I did listen to all of these songs. Uh, <laughs> come out and pray was the worst that's the one i'm most interested in <laughs> yes it was it, it definitely um inspired the most feeling in me that's great uh, none I, of which was positive i uh i i i'm aware of the band apologetics uh spelled with an ix at the end i believe that's great um uh from my subscription to hm magazine uh formerly heaven's metal magazine when i was uh, a christian youth and uh yeah you know just reading about this band doing christian version you know christian spoofs basically uh i always kind of i rolled my eyes at them uh did it i mean was it like stylistically offspring like in the style of offspring or uh, did it sound? More oh yeah, Christian no, it sounded that? exactly like the song. But they were talking about when they talked about keeping them separated. They were talking about how keeping church and state separated would lead to all kinds of <laughs> right. you know, issues right. in society. Uh, c- cool. Okay, so they're advocating a Christian mm-hmm. government. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Gotcha. And also to come out and pray. 
Uh, Trev, I looked at their Wikipedia page and they have like 30 albums or something like that. 20, 20 or 30 albums or something like wow. album a year, like up until like 2016 or something wow. like that. I saw, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anywho. Want to talk about the music video? Yeah. I don't have a ton to say about the music video. It's yet another of our videos that looks like it was made in a rush with limited. Yeah. yeah it's kind of a turd, right? Yeah. It's like made, yeah. I think it was made for $5,000. Um, it uh, looks like they got ripped <laughs> off if they paid $5,000. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. best part is Dexter's uh, braids. Yeah. It is cool to see the, the long Pretty dreads cool. or whatever cool they are. cool looking dude. Um, one of my favorite mm-hmm. YouTube comments was from a user named Rich Mitch about the video who said, was that man slapping himself with a snake's arse? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what he was talking about. Yeah. C- cool. Uh, that yes. So, Smash, the album that this is on, has a strange designation. Wikipedia, at least, says that this is the best-selling album ever released on an independent label. Did you all see this statistic? I uh, I, yeah, I mean, I, I recall that being a, a thing. Yeah, so Epitaph, I guess, is not a subsidiary, or it's not even distributed by any other. Oh, they might label. be now. Yeah, I think at the time in 1994, uh-huh. they probably weren't. Okay, so you guys know a lot more about labels than I do. I don't often pay a lot of attention to labels, but Epitaph was created by the members of Bad Religion in the 80s as a way to release their yeah, own I records. I think so. Yeah. Okay, so during this time period, the bands that I recognized that were on Epitaph were NoFX, Pennywise, and I'm s- I didn't know that NoFX were on Epitaph. That's, That's my interesting. understanding. They must have at mm-hmm. least put out one album on, on Epitaph. That's wild. That's a wild statistic. Mm-hmm. for Like, this album? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess I can't think of, like, what else would possibly be that. Maybe, like the postal service album when that blew up i i don't even know if sub pop would have qualified as like a at a that point um, at that point yeah uh i mean the other thing that i'm thinking about is like maybe like some arcade fire yeah. stuff that came out on merge but i don't really know mm. you know i know that at least there was a time when you know matador was like 49% owned by yeah, like Warner Brothers, who, but or maybe something. like Cap, yeah. Capital or something like that. Yeah, and I, I think that a lot of the, the big indies mm-hmm, had those kinds mm-hmm. of arrangements for a while. Yeah, I was gonna say maybe also going back to Bleach after like Nevermind came out. I think you know with Bleach still being on Sub Pop and like eighty mm-hmm. nine, sure, I'm sure, a ton of people would have went back and bought that up. Um, so I, I, I feel like that was probably a, a higher selling independent album. Yeah. It's curious. Yeah. Um, other other singles. So this hit number one, 
there are two other pretty big singles that we won't be able to talk about um, elsewhere. One is Self Esteem, mm-hmm. which hit number four on the modern rock chart. It stinks. And I, it stinks. It stinks. Oh, I, I agree. I, Self Esteem <laughs> was the song that I preferred uh, back in the 90s, but yeah, Come Out and Play is better. <laughs> what? It is. I, I really like I, Self Esteem. I did too once. <laughs> Wow. Okay. I think that self-esteem is such a superior song uh. to this. Um, I really like the raucous vocal intro. Um, I love the bass tone. Agreed. I mean, I, I love Agreed. anything from this time period where you can hear that, I, what I think of as Kim Deal mm-hmm. bass tone mm-hmm. um, with some loud guitars. And I like the melody. I like, I like everything about that song. You guys don't like self-esteem. By I thought it was like a like a Nirvana wannabe song. Well, yeah. I I definitely have read that this is like uh, I mean it's the the that vocal intro is the lick to "Smells Like Teen Spirit." Well, no, not quite. It's slightly rearranged. Yeah, sure, sure. It's the same chords in a slightly different order. Um, but I, it's. I don't know. The vibe's very different. Well, mm. cool. Wow. <laughs> okay. Uh, the other big single was Gotta Get Away, which peaked at number six on the Modern Rock chart. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting because I had forgotten about it totally. Yep, and, me too. Uh, and then I heard it and was like, yeah, I guess this was a single. And it was one of, the, one of the rare moments where I could be like kind of refreshed by like a forgotten single from the era. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I like it quite a bit. Um, are we going to talk about Bad Habit? I mean, I know we kind of talked yeah, about we've... it before, but like Bad Habit was like yeah, we're going to talk a ra- a radio single. Is that right? It was sort of like was yeah. It? I feel like I read that it was a um, it was it was limited somehow, and it was the final single from the album. And um, man, Bad Habit is awesome. It rocks so hard <laughs> one time no i went to visit alec and we went to reckless and he bought smash on cd and a dvd and we went <laughs> back to the house and alec put on the cd and the dvd and it was <laughs> it was uh the the naked knife fight from eastern promises and bad habit and it was perfect oh, wow. <laughs> oh my god i totally forgot about this so I, I created a whole multimedia experience for you. It was so good. Quillen, have you seen Eastern Promises? Uh, have you seen the no, Naked Night? Eastern fight? Promises is Cronenberg, right? Vigo, Vig, yeah, Vigo uh, Mortensen. No. Facing off some Eastern European gangsters. And there's a scene in a bathhouse where he, he is 100% naked mm. having a, a knife fight. And his his business is dangling all over the place, fully on that camera. Awesome. It is in that intense. Uh, that was the follow up to History of Violence, right? Yeah, correct. Which Made I saw that even more intense both per- both. by Bad Habit. Yeah. <laughs> well, I already mentioned Bad Habit on this podcast because uh, I went to a sleepover shortly after this album came out, where that was like that was the centerpiece of the evening. Mm-hmm. Was like. Hey, we're gonna listen to Bad Habit, <laughs> and uh, 
and putting putting it awesome. on and all being spellbound by the string of curse words coming out of the, the And I totally wanted to elaborate on that because it made me think of this whole like very narrow subgenre of songs from the 90s that I like to think of as funny 90s fuck songs. <laughs> um and it's not just a song that like has the word in it, right? Cuz like you ought to know was was you know ha- had had an f bomb in it, mm. and it wasn't like it wasn't funny. It was just kind of it was just a good song. But there's mm-hmm. like a certain kind of song that occurred during this era that was like a borderline novelty song. It was lighthearted, usually an album track, and like infinitely amusing to like thirteen year olds. And it was played at like yeah. junior high basement parties. And uh, probably responsible for Blink-182 um, entirely. Sure. Absolutely. And um, the examples that I thought of, I think we mentioned this before, Kitty by, by Presidents of the United States of America. Mm-hmm. Um, High Fiving uh, Mother by um, Local H is one. Uh, P by uh-huh. the Red Hot Chili Peppers on the One Hot Minute album. and. Gosh, I've forgotten about yeah. that. Uh, I, 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 it immediately comes back yeah. to me, though. And I, I think also All By Myself on Dookie is a funny 90s song, despite not saying the F word. Uh-huh. Because it's about masturbation, right? I don't know. It just had that vibe where it was sort of like, oh, man, let's <laughs> gather around. We're going to listen to this song. And it's, uh, you know transgressive or subversive or whatever gotcha yeah i think that song is trey cool (laughs) (laughs) want to head over to the charts yeah let's get out of this garbage album (laughs) all right (laughs) <laughs> okay well um on the mainstream rock chart the reign of shine is finally over thank god it's uh it lasted uh. a long time i listened back to it and i thought we had been maybe a little uncharitable before <laughs> it's a nice song it's a it's a, a very sweet sounding melody and and stuff like that on the verses and it does have a weird butt rock break, but uh, I don't know. I like I like Collective Soul, and I I felt bad for making. fun Is of it them. fair to say that uh, today we can say good night, good guy to Shine? <laughs> <laughs> good night, good guy. Um, okay, so on the mainstream rock chart, we're making way for Black Hole Sun by Soundgarden, ah. which is another band that it's it's pretty curious that. We have no Soundgarden at number one on the modern rock chart, but we have plenty of Soundgarden at number one on the mainstream rock chart. I guess it kind of makes sense. They're sort of a classic rock-inspired band. but Weird um, time signatures, though. That's weird. Yeah. I have actually I have a lot more to say about the Down on the Upside singles than I do mm. about these singles, but Black, Black Hole Sun's a cool song. Sure. Yeah, for sure. And I, I always thought of them as an alternative band, but I can definitely see how they fall on the uh, the mainstream rock side of the, uh, the equation. Yeah. Uh, at the top of the pop chart is still I Swear by All for One, 
but during the time period that uh, Come Out and Play is on top of the modern rock chart, we move over for a song you two expressed a fair amount of enthusiasm for a little while ago. Stay, I Missed You by mm. Lisa Loeb. Amazing. Number one on the pop chart, which I was kind of like, last time I was, I was sort of just in the back seat while you two were praising that song. But I took a moment and I watched the music video again, which I'm sure I've seen plenty of times before. And I was struck by not only the fact that the song was really good and there's very little repetition in it. Um, it just kind of has its own flow and lots of different hooks. But I was really struck by how great the music video was. Uh, it's apparently directed by Ethan Hawke. Oh. And it, it looks like you could really fool me that it was one continuous shot. You can see a couple spots where they could have cut where the camera's passing behind a pillar. But can you remember it? It's, it's like in Lisa Loeb's apartment. Yeah, I just remember the apartment. It's a, yeah, it's a very empty apartment. There's a cat in the, in the window. And um, the whole thing is just the camera and Lisa Loeb moving around the apartment. They go into different rooms. It's just really masterfully shot. And I really appreciated it. And I felt like the whole thing put together was really fantastic. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's great. Um, I, I wanted to add that I feel like I've, I, I didn't, confirm this before uh the podcast but i um had always been uh of the understanding that uh members of the band ida played on uh stay oh, oh really they I, were members of the band that, that played uh on the song i think i did read that before That's and that was also i i know that the, the big thing about stay was that it was uh the biggest single by an artist who was unsigned at the time oh yeah so that also kind of ties in with like you know the independent artists being very successful at this this point in time and the single soundtrack had a big role in breaking that is my understanding oh i'm not sure oh no yeah i think uh, it was... reality bites reality yes. bites i'm sorry yeah Okay. Interesting. Um, some other stuff on the modern rock chart. Uh, let's see. There are two songs from the Blue Album hmm. on the chart. We haven't had a chance to talk about the Blue Album yet, but Weezer fits into all this in kind of an interesting way. Mm-hmm. How do you feel like Weezer fits in with a band like Green Day or, or Offspring, for that matter? Uh... Loud, fuzzy guitars, pop hooks, yeah. Uh, you know, pu- uh, punk adjacent, I guess, um, right? I mean, I, Weezer is not a punk band, nor are they an emo band, no matter what anybody tells you. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, adjacent. Um, yeah. Yeah, we talked a little bit before about how 94 was the quote-unquote year that punk broke. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. like I don't I didn't want to say Weezer, you know, I didn't want to include Weezer in this, but like those three bands are like hand in hand in hand with this whole sort of like post grunge movement. I felt like those yeah. were the three that yeah, you can true. kind of work with. Yeah. Yeah, I would think of it as the melodic power chord movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um all I Want to Do by Sheryl Crow is a song I kind of like. Love it. it. The drumming on that, on that song is incredible. The drum fills, so yeah. tight. Interesting. I 
I'm not familiar with that element of the song. I was more of a uh, uh, strong enough fan. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Same album. Oh, I know. (laughs) (laughs) The only other thing that was notable was the song Headache by Frank Mm. Black was doing reasonably well on the charts. And I I had known that that was at least a relatively successful single. This is from uh, Teenager of the Year, which is Frank Black's 1994 album. This is Frank Black's second solo album. Yes, second solo album. And tied for my favorite album of all time. Wow. I thought that people knew this about. I knew that (laughs) you loved that album. I didn't know it was, you know, in your top two of all time. Yeah. Yeah, I've just decided to have a top two. I don't. I don't need to rank them anymore. Is that tied with? Uh, uh, I can. Uh, I can hear the heart beating as one. Feel the heart beating as one. I forget which word it Correct. is. Correct. Hear yeah. the heart beating as okay. one. Cool. Yeah, that's super cool. That's a great song. If you don't know that song, check that yeah, song out. I've it's never listened a, to great. that album. I know that you guys both love it, and yeah. It's been on my like list of albums to check out for years, and I just haven't gotten there yet. Unlike the Yola Tango album, it's very specifically a favorite and not a best. Fair enough. So it's gotcha. not something I'm going to try to sell you. Mm-hmm. It's something that is so specifically aligned with my tastes that it's just magic for mm-hmm. me. Do you think that I would like it? Me, Quillen. I think it's worth a shot. Yeah. <laughs> me, Alec. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, gotcha. I think it's worth a shot. It feels very much like a record. It feels very session guy. Oh, interesting. It feels like a guy um, who assembled a great crew and paid them decently, and and put together a really professional sounding record. Hmm. Um, cool. In 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 a way that for some reason I enjoy. Uh, I don't think you're going to find anything particularly innovative about like the drumming or anything like that. It's all in service of, it's all in service of the songwriting, Mm. but uh, the songwriting is fantastic. Have you heard whatever happened to Pong? I don't know. Okay. Possibly. I'm pretty sure. It's wild. I'm pretty sure if not you, Al, uh, Trav, I feel like you've definitely put songs from that album on. It was, uh, uh, I want to live on an abstract plane. Hmm. Yeah. Which was the song, yeah, that I had shared with you that I think is just one of the greatest songs uh, in modern music. Cool. We d- yeah, uh, we're talking about Frank Black now more <laughs> than the Oscars. Yeah, <laughs> welcome, welcome to the, the Black cast. This is our <laughs> podcast about, <laughs> about Frank Black. Want to rate this thing? Yeah. All right, who's going to get us started? I uh, suppose I will. Yeah, go for um, it, T. You know, this song, it's, uh, it's okay. It's probably the best Offspring song. There was actually a ska song later in the album that I really liked that I'd heard for the first time. I, didn't, I don't think I've listened to Smash either. Mm. It was, uh, God, what was it called? Um, I noticed it. You noticed it, yeah. Mm. What Happened to You? Pretty good. Um, anyways. Other than that, this is probably the best Offspring song. I would still give it maybe three out of five Noodles Wasserman. 
<laughs> we didn't even address Noodles I Wasserman. Uh, I'm going to give it three out of five, Noodles Wasserman. I think I can think of quite a few Offspring songs I like better than this one. I will give it 2.5 out of five, Noodles Wasserman. Uh, I think it, uh, I used to love self-esteem. I don't anymore. I kind of think come out and play is the best song on a pretty bad album. Well, you can email us about upcoming songs at thoughtsonpod at gmail.com. Email us a question and we'll discuss it at our earliest convenience. Or send us comments, memories, corrections, and complaints. If you send comments as a voice memo, we'd love to include them at the end of the show. So before we talk about next week, uh, Travis, I believe you've prepared a statement that you were going to share on the, the program. I did. I've prepared a statement. Now would be an appropriate time. It has come to my attention that on episode one of the podcast, Tell Me All Your Thoughts on Pod, I stated that the Dave Matthews Band song, The Space Between, was on the Mr. (laughs) Deeds soundtrack, when in fact it was the Dave Matthews Band song, Where Are You Going? (laughs) I made this statement in spite of the fact that I have seen Mr. Deeds in the theater, as well as on an additional two to three times at home, and at my place of employment. I have not listened to either of these songs since the statement was made. However, I defy anyone to tell me the difference between these two songs. If anything, it is unfortunate that Mr. Matthews wrote two songs that happen to be so similar. I am not the one who licensed my banal pop song to a Happy Madison film, later acted in a Happy Madison film, and then dumped 800 pounds of human waste onto a Chicago river cruise full of people. Before members of the media attack my character and my integrity as the host of a fledgling music podcast, please consider the facts. In conclusion, I do not regret the air and I will not resign. Thank you, Travis. (laughs) Um, other, uh, I, I, I realized I have at least a correction that I needed to make. I said that we were never going to have a Foo Fighters episode, and uh, we are going to have a Foo Fighters episode. It's for Learn to Fly. Unfortunately. And yeah, how someone could forget about Learn to Fly is beyond mm, me. Perfect song. Right? It's pretty, pretty memorable I am song. sharpening my knives and licking my chops for that episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, you should listen along with our playlists on Spotify, Apple Music, or watch the music videos along with us on YouTube. And uh, next week, will we ever be together again? Yes, we will. To talk about Einstein on the Beach by Counting Crows. Bye. Bye. Bye.